Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing. That is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. Got Kid Presentable with me. Hey, coming from the polar vortex in California, that is like 45 degrees. Yeah, not cool. And got uh, DJ Mark with me as well. So, uh, No lavender gooms this week. Man's got some professional obligations he's got to take care of. So let me just first off, first off say we're back like a phoenix rising from the ashes. We were down, but not out. I was just real sick. Uh too. It yeah. was not happening. <laughs> yeah, honestly, not going it was like the middle of the day on Monday where I just like, Mark, I'm going home. There will not be a podcast. And you just looked at me like, okay, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, I, I was fine. And, you know, I uh, went to the gym and then canceled it out with some Wingstop. And that was my Monday night last week. Dude, I, I downloaded right. I downloaded every delivery app this past, past Thursday trying to figure out which one will get me Wingstop delivered. The answer is none. And I had to get Buffalo Wild Wings delivered. I see there's a market that's quite untapped here. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we can have an app for this. Yeah. You think that Wingstop would do it themselves, but nope. Um, all right, guys. We haven't been gone for a few weeks, but the most relevant thing that happened is that the UFC put on a pay-per-view that on paper we could not justify paying for. Um, and I, let's be honest. I really, was, I really was looking forward to this card, guys, as bad as it was. But we all looked at each other and said, we have to, we have, to have to draw a line in the sand here. And a one-fight card is that line in the sand when that one fight isn't even a title fight. Um, our beloved Bobby Knuckles um, had emergency hernia surgery um, the day of the fight. Um, so uh, he's back on the mend. It sounds like if everything's okay, he can get back to training in about six weeks or so. Kelvin Gastelum had staph infection on his face, and somehow he was going to fight. So, uh, Steph, part of me thinks we might have just dodged a bullet entirely here. I mean, everything. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum took some L's that night, let me say. Oh, yeah. Do we, do we want to talk about that right now? Let's just get into it. The man was walking around with a belt that wasn't his. I like mean, a- yeah. Walking around borrowing Henry Cejudo's belt, admitting you have a staff infection, and then saying you're the champion now, even though no one agrees with you. Like, God bless Israel Adesanya. Um, we'll get into that with his fight, but... Kevin Gasolin, he took some L's. I mean, even Dana White, when Dana's asked Dana about it, Dana goes, oh, yeah, he was wearing Cejudo's belt. That was cute. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. That wasn't the words we were looking for. <laughs> Not a big mystery. There's only been one of those belts so far, and the dude happens to train with you. I think everyone's Yeah, you have the same manager. You have your same questionable-ass manager, Ali Abdelaziz, um, who I guarantee you it was, Ali, it was Ali's idea. So... Well done, that moron. I mean, it sucks for Kevin. I mean, he... Yeah, no, we felt bad for him. He was healthy enough, I guess. I mean, it, it, if the doctors would have mentioned, like, yo, bro, there's a bunch of weird shit on your face. What's up? Do you think he got? He would still get cleared? Could You get, You can't get cleared with staff. But I guess he was on antibiotics, which means it's no longer contagious, I guess, at that point. Uh, and yeah. I, guess the, I guess there really is a commission in Australia. The UFC isn't flying by the seat of their pants, necessarily. 
Didn't okay. didn't Kevin Lee fight with staff on his body against yeah. Ferguson? Shit was gross. Yeah, a big like doorknob sticking off of his like back or whatever it was. I remember uh, Matt Hamill got knocked out by Ryan Bader in like a minute, and he had staff still. Like that's not good. It's gross. It's just real. And even Conor McGregor, who's bored, so he watches all the fights. Conor's like, "Why is what do you call him? He called him a worm. He's like, why is this worm?" you know, holding this belt, and why is he interacting with our fans when he has that on his face? And I'm like, Jesus. Why is he interacting with our fans? <laughs> yeah. What is he fucking, like, it's, public relations Yeah, now? Connor's like, it's like a health hazard, man. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the fight itself, the main event that we did get. Uh, Izzy Adesanya, Anderson Silva. Um, A lot of people went into this one thinking, like, oh, we're going to see Anderson Silva get Anderson silva um, but Marcus, I think we all kind of learned, and we think we picked it up pretty early in the fight that if you're going to get engage Anderson Silva in just a stand-up fight, you're not gonna, I mean, you might just outstrike him, but it's, it's kind of hard, you know, just to style on him if it's just going to be a kickboxing bout. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people still remember those Weidman fights where he was able to, to knock him out. And they kind of forget that since then, you know, dude hasn't been stringing along a ton of victories, but no one's been stopping him. Right. And I think if we would have kind of assessed this fight last week, you know, if we were in better health, um, I mean, I kind of thought Anderson, there was a good chance Anderson was going to get knocked out in this fight, but that wasn't really maybe a realistic expectation because he is, he's still a tough guy to put out. You know, he's not, the toughest guy to get points on and to, especially if you have a wrestling you know background they can utilize those things but just like you said bobby just in a stand-up fight you know what we learned in this fight especially is that um you know he's still game i, I think my biggest takeaway and this isn't a new takeaway for anderson is just you know, since those wide men fights um he's just a little neutered i think his offense has really taken a hit it's mostly because he's kind of terrified to throw low kicks and it's not like his whole games was you know was built off of being able to utilize low kicks, but it was it was a good tool for him to use to mix things up and to get guys thinking about where he might potentially kick. And he just doesn't kick a ton anymore, and he leaves it to his hands. And he had he has good hands, and he had moments in this fight where he was able to land on Israel. And I think overall, at the end of the day, I think if we would have talked about this card last week, this fight was somewhat intriguing, but it was really just like this guy's fighting a younger, better version of himself. There's really not much to learn here. And I think the 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 ultimately the, the takeaway was that Anderson still has something left in the tank. It's just not, you know, and I think we've known this for a while. He's just he's not the same fighter he was. Yeah, he's he was he's not one. he's not out there like Vanderlei where we're like, well, we got to maybe talk about Vanderlei admitting to eight of the ten concussion fucking signs in an interview. And then the California Athletic Commission being like, what the fuck? We got to talk to you. But it's not like he's out there totally, like, washed. You know what I mean? If it wasn't, if his name wasn't Anderson Silva and we had didn't have an entire history of him fighting the way he did, we'd probably just be like, okay, well, this guy was just outclassed by this other guy. You know, this guy wasn't as, he was slower than this other guy. He didn't have as much for him on the feet. Steph, this fight reminded me a lot of, like, Weirdly, Junior versus Mark Hunt and kind of like the beginnings of Stipe versus Francis Ngannou, the first round of that, where it was an exciting fight, mostly because of the tension and the participants involved. Like, did you get the impression we were kind of waiting for some wild shit to happen at all times, given who was involved, and the tension really added to the drama more so than the actual quality of the fight itself? I guess maybe. Um, yes and no. I, I can see where you're going with it. I'm not sure I exactly kind of... Anticipated the fight the same way. I didn't. I don't expect it anymore from Anderson. 
Um, with the exception of the flying knee, which he threw, because I, I know he'll still throw that. He's thrown that in some late matches. I agree with Mark. He, something about breaking his leg, something about the losses. They've There are some mental blocks he has. Um, it was a weird fight because it, it was simultaneously the best performance I've seen Anderson have in his last several fights. Um, it definitely looked like he still had life in him. Um, but at the same time, I came away disappointed with Adesanya. Mm. It's just either I want his striking to be so much better, but then it's also kind of he can't take his game to another place. You know, he he's a little one-dimensional still, let's say. It might be a really great one-dimension, but, you know, he doesn't have the ability to mix it up if the striking's not working, um, or at least not dominating. But to what you're saying is, one thing I came away, what I really... You could see how much adoration he had for Anderson in this fight. And I thought this was a good kind of adoration. It wasn't the thing where we're just laughing, the uh, cowboy and... and oh. um, Cowboy and who is it most recently? Yancey. Uh, Yancey. You know, like we have to high five, we have to hug. There wasn't that. There was that wasn't happening. But you could tell, like, this moment meant a lot to Adesanya. Like he got really emotional. Like at the end of the fight, I believe uh, Anderson like hugged him, and you know, in his kind of you know mixed broken English, he basically said he's he you know he passes on his legacy to him. Like mm. you know, I'm giving it up to you. You're next. You know, yeah, you are the my heir apparent. You know, and I, you can see like Adesanya's eyes welling up. So, um, on that sense, you know, he 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 was fighting his idol, and I I think he well, really respected the moment. I so caught you, the, you, could, I, you could get that sense. I, I I caught the thing also. I I put it in the group chat where like you could hear Izzy saying, I think he said he's like Anderson. I I have UFC 90 on DVD. I've watched it like a hundred times, and that yeah, wasn't yeah. even a good performance. Like that was against Cote. Like it was a one of the lesser Anderson performances, but like uh, you, you know, it's. Um, but what else I will say for Israel, um, for having a performance that could have laid on my memory as a little bit of a stinker. God bless this man. He is good on the mic because his post fight shit on of Kelvin Gastelum made me forget that maybe this wasn't the most impressive performance. Mm. It makes me still think, yeah, he's got great momentum on his side. Um, he's a great personality. He's a great figure. Maybe one day we'll look back and yeah, he absolutely was worthy of main eventing this card, um, you know, down the road, but this was just the start of his journey. Uh, you know, he, he's got that kind of potential. It's fun to hope, but, um, he's got some hype. I mean, he's got some hype behind him. He's got some hype behind him. Um, I did like, what do you say? He told Kelvin, he's just like, Kelvin, take that belt belt off. Seriously. And the whole crowd laughed. That sounded about right. Like, he said it a couple times. I like his little catchphrase he kind of gave to himself. Is like, I don't swing and hope. I aim and fire. Like, yeah, he's this guy. This, this guy he's guy's got some, got some branding moves. So, um, I want him to do well. You know me. I, I always love riding the uh, next big prospect hype trains. So, um, we need some of them to start hitting. Yeah, he did. Uh, I remember before his last fight, before he smoked. I want to say Brunson was his last fight. He did an interview with Complex. On their YouTube channel. It was like a pretty long one too. It was pretty interesting. He's an interesting cat, man. He's uh, got like 80 or 90 kickboxing bouts. Um, so after the fight, Anderson says, hey, I want to fight Nick Diaz in uh, on this Brazil pay-per-view. And everybody was like, yeah, okay. And apparently Ariel said, yeah, that's what the UFC is trying to like negotiate with Nick to get him back. And Nick showed up on his Instagram while drinking with his buddies and said, quote, fuck all this. I don't want to hurt nobody. I just want to party. Which, okay, Nick. Um, who do you guys want to see Anderson Silva fight next? And I'm just going to put it out there. I want to see him fight George St. Pierre, because why not? Um, Steph, do you got anybody in mind? In a world where Anderson's definitely going to fight, is there a name out there 
that you're like, you know, I got my Bisping fight two years ago. So three years ago, whatever it is. Is there anybody um, out there that you want? I just say GSP because let's just give it to us now at this point. I 100% don't want it because there's no weight class for it to happen. I do not want to see Anderson attempt 170. And apparently George St. Pierre almost killed himself going to 185. The man just can't put on that kind of mass healthily. Um, I get why you think it's fun. It has to be an open weight fight, basically. Like, I don't think they're going to meet in any Well, I mean, it's not so much like I don't want to mess up divisions if we're going to do this. Like, let's just... Some people who aren't affecting title pictures. <laughs> I mean, there's. I also have no expectation of really seeing GSP again. If it happens, it happens, but I really don't necessarily expect him to. I mean, there's no one off the top of my head that really comes to mind. I'd, I'd look at fading legends. I, you know, there's nothing really. He doesn't have unfinished business to me. Anderson could retire. So he not. So not Conor McGregor. Him. Not that bullshit. That doesn't it's do like, anything. Again, it's it's like. You can say these things, but you just put a little bit of logic towards it. Where are they going to fight? At what weight class is it? Is there going to be Connor is so small? Is there going to be something really freak show about what weight division they fight at? And I don't need that because it's like, what's the point of it to me? But yeah, yeah, there's nothing for me. I loved Anderson. There's nothing for him to accomplish to me. He could have retired two, three fights ago, and I would have been fine with him. So that's why there's no one really comes to mind because it's it's light. It's really more so light heavyweight and to some extent heavyweight the kind of old big names are still kind of lingering middleweight and welterweight are did Rashad retire honest question did Rashad retire did that happen I thought he did I thought he did on air I think you're right I mean I'm look I love Anderson Silva Marcus I'm always really like happy that like we've seen Anderson Silva fight a few times live you saw him fight um another time that we weren't at you saw him fight uh Nate Marquardt actually so it's one of those people I'm happy I saw him fight live and if he wants to keep doing this and he's not out there, you know, he's still okay. He's still functional. He's still a decent fighter. I mean, okay, I guess. Do you have anybody in mind you want to see him fight? Yeah, like, like Steph, nothing really jumps to the top of my head. I, I like GSP. Makes a lot of sense, you know, to me if they do it at 85. I I, I don't have much interest in watching Anderson at, the, at his age cut to 170. You know, if they were going to do that before, I think it should have been done earlier in his career. And I know there has been some talk. I don't know. Was it Connor talking about it? I mean, I don't hate well, Connor. Well, Con- Connor just but... Connor wants to do it because Connor has a lot of respect for Anderson. He said he said it'd be sure. an honor. But like, look, I don't know. Shogun. Okay. How about Shogun? Fuck it. Can I mean, they do that? Like, I know. I, I just I, I I'm I'm firmly in the same camp with Steph where it's like if he still wants to fight. I mean, he obviously showed in, in this performance here that he can still hang with these guys and. Israel's a guy that I thought Israel was the type of fight I didn't need to see Anderson fight. Like I don't need to see him fight the young up and comers because, like you said, like he's kind of proven what he has been, what he has to prove. You know, he held that belt for just about as long as anyone possibly could. I don't need to see him fight up and comers to for them to build a name off of him. So, I mean, it's kind of I'm in that realm of yeah, let's just do weird, fun fights. I mean, I guess Shogun would make sense. I think Kung Lee would have been good. Uh, Kung Lee would have been good, but I mean Kung Lee's long gone. I think Kung Lee. I think Kung Lee's still suing them. So and yeah. and there's and there's not a lot of other names. Like when I think of the middleweight division, it's just a lot of kind of. I was like a fight, Luke. Uh, um, I want to say Thompson. What's that? No, Luke Rockhold or something. I, like think, I think I think light heavyweight is the division with the old dudes. We got a lot of old bums in there. And the thing there is, like, there's there's some old dudes in there, but I'm not interested in watching him fight Anderson. You're not appealing. Anderson versus Glover Teixeira doesn't make you want to churn out the bucks. How about Anderson styling on Pat Cummins? Is that an option? If we want to see Anderson knock somebody out, that might be the one for us. No, it's uh, Weidman's best friend. That's who you see. Oh, give me, give me Anderson and Volante. That would, I would, I would watch that. If you want Anderson to get that knockout. In. 
I think, and I mean, I think you, you throw Anderson into Bellator, and then, yeah, him versus Quentin Jackson, him versus Vanderlei Silva, those could be some... How about... Ho- he's not going to fight... true. Any name that was coming to my mind, I'm like, they're either retired or in Bellator. He's not going to fight a Noguera, right? He's like, fight- uh, Anderson versus Fedor. Let's do that. Oh, that's shit, yeah. Oh, how about... Uh, I don't. He's not gonna fight Hogerio, is he? He's too. He's an O'Gara black belt. He's not yeah, gonna fight him. I don't really. Yeah. They're, they're, I think they're... Shogun's our best bet, man. Gokensaki. How about Gokensaki? Okay, that'd be cool. That, that I, I'm, I'm in for Anderson versus Gokensaki. Let's do that. Is Tyron Spong ever coming back from his broken leg? Is he still doing MMA or not? What I don't happened know what there? Spong's doing anymore. Period. I've kind of lost track of the kickboxing scene, to be honest. Um. So, something I want to point out real quickly. The co-main event was uh, Lando Venata versus some guy. And the guy was so bad on his back. Dominic is a really good commentator. I really like Dominic's commentary. He was pointing out how amateur the guy was on his back to the point that I'm like, Dominic is unknowingly explaining why none of us should have paid for this. He's like, yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Nope, he's not even... He's not even trying to push off. Lando can take him whenever he wants. Oh, there we go. He's got his arm. That's it. Kimura. It was, and Lando needed to get a fucking win, like badly. A lot. He has two draws for the love of God. Um, that doesn't hurt his standing in my eyes. That's just, that makes him number one in your eyes, Steph. Um, what did you see out of uh, Nadia Kasim or Kasim in her fight with Montana De La Rosa? Um, I, I was talking to you a little before we talked. It's a little harsh. I, I like her. I, I think she's a nice young prospect. Um, she's a, she's a fun follow on Instagram, but. She looked too small and just out of her depths. Um, Montana De La Rosa looked so much bigger than her and just ran right through her. Uh, Nadia really did not have the grappling acumen to even compete here. Um, she's flexible. She survived in an armbar for a while, but she she really couldn't mount any offense. Like even the tail on her was she was kind of an outside striker, but you could tell with her really lean frame, she didn't have the ability to keep that distance once. Uh, Montana kind of clinched on her. It was over. Um, and giving Montana credit, she's she's number seven. She's the one with the number by her name. She's the favorite. Um, she kind of had an unforgettable run on Tough, as far as I remember. Um, I think I did actually watch her season a little bit. But um, she's stringing some wins right now, but uh, they're all either against like mediocre records or debuting fighters themselves. So um she she deserves a ranked opponent in her next fight um nadia i am not certain if this is the weight class for her yeah she's apparently looked way too small for a lot of people she got a there's a weight class below too right they're fighting at 125 she can go down the, the room exists so that's why i i meant i i bothered to mention it i'm not just trying to be mean but like there is a division for her in this company if she can make that weight class um it just seems like it would suit her based on how like just overpowered she seemed to be 23 years old member of australian top team five and one her first loss um, she's still got room to grow, so, you know, get her stuff together, uh, see if she can get down to 115. Um, Sam Alvey is real unhappy, Steph. Do you give the, sh- uh, I mean, we were talking about it before, it seems like a combination of he might be right, but nobody gives the slightest shit. That, that's exactly what it is. Uh, I said is the stop was weird because the final, the ground punches that crew through from what I could see, I mean, if, I, if I'm wrong, someone tell me. But from the replays I all saw, they're all just hitting Alvy in the shoulder. It looks bad because he's having his face pinned down. You see him giving the thumbs up. You know, it, it's controversial, but he wasn't doing anything. When it was standing, he wasn't doing anything besides getting hit. Um, you know, he got cracked by a hell of a shot that dropped him. Um, he, he's a tough dude, but it's like 
yeah, he has some room for grievance. I can see why, but it's hard to feel sympathetic when he wasn't doing anything really. He wasn't doing enough on the ground. He wasn't doing anything while it was standing. And he kind of has a history of not doing anything for his last several fights. So he, he just kind of, I like the dude. So it, it's harsh, but he doesn't really have the high ground here. Yeah. Um, this was, a, I mean, I, I've said it before. I'm going to reuse my joke because I was proud of it. The controversial part of this fight is that they asked money to watch Sam Alvey fight this guy. That was the controversial part of this fight. Um, there were some prelim fights. Taruto's not good, huh? We learned that much. He's just not good. Um, and a good performance, you said, from Devontae Smith. So somebody to keep an eye out for, right? Yeah, I believe he's a young prospect off of the Challenger series. Challengers are looking for a fight. I don't know. I think, I think looking for a fight. But um, yeah, he, he, he's got, he's a really athletic dude. If you didn't have a chance to see him, um, whenever you do watch him, the thing you'll notice is he has really great movement. He has really great hand speed. His strikes look crisp, you know, like it, it's like you, you took, you, you took a really athletic model and you're, you're now you're teaching it all these martial arts skills. Um, there's a real base there. If he, uh, I don't I'm not familiar with his camp, but if he has a good camp, if he keeps progressing, uh, he's got. He, the he trains athlete. with. Um, I know with the Predator Rogers from Bellator. I know the name of the camp. It's called Factory X. So they got. I think it. I think it might be that team that Liz Carmouche trains with in San Diego. That might be the. That might be that same team. So they got some. You know, they got some relevant fighters in there. So hopefully he can grow. Um, there. Um, we weren't here, and I just from a couple weeks ago. But I want to talk about real quickly. Jose Aldo knocking out Hanato. He knocked him out, right? Hanato Moicano? Yeah. I, I, and then he did his thing where Jose Aldo's in Brazil and he jumps in the crowd. I fucking love that. That made me so happy. Like, the kid got knocked out by Jose Aldo. He'll be okay. He's young. He'll have another fight. I mean, that whole Brazil... That was a really enjoyable ESPN Plus card to me. Um, Charles Oliveira did his thing against David Tamor. Marcus, we learned Johnny Walker's a psychopath. Like, he's just a nut bar, huh? Like, he's the one who did the... He tried to soccer kick the guy into the third row, his head into the third row. Oh. And he was dancing the whole time. Like, he did not know... He seemed like he was not in control of his limbs. Uh, well, I mean, I think he's done that dancing thing before, which is just kind of, you know, part of his character that he's trying to sell. And the kick, um, I mean, I always thought... To me, when he first did it, I thought he was trying to kick him to the body and just kind of whiffed everything, which, you know, in his... Um, for his own luck, turned out, you know, to not hit the head, which it ultimately was kind of trajectorying towards. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good performance by him. It was a good, solid, you know, finish by him that he almost blew up at the end by doing something really stupid. But uh, yeah, no, someone definitely to look out for in the in the light heavyweight. He's division. he's a young, he's, he's a long light heavyweight, huh? We got to yeah. get excited about those guys. Mm-hmm. And he had one of my favorite headlines came from his win on Deadspin that said. Meet Johnny Wa- meet Johnny Walker, a hilarious weirdo, even by UFC standards, which I, I just enjoyed that. Um, and Steph, Marlon Marais is a bad man, huh? I mean, uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, happy to take that favorite. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this, this, that was my analysis on that fight is in terms of just upward trajectory and potential, you know, Marais was showing skills, his knockout on Rivera that's where my eyes really kind of opened towards him. And I was like, yeah, this kid's really got something. You know, we liked him. He got derailed when he debuted in the UFC. Sounds that was a tough, a tough start when you get in through your octagon jitters, but um, he's got a complete skill set. You know, like he, we, you know, it was world series of fighting, but that dude was a finishing monster when he was there. So um, 
yeah, anytime you get that, I, I I'm very interested to see him fight TJ. I kind of yeah. I get why Sahudo will probably happen, but I in terms of what am I interested in, I'd really much rather watch Murray's fight TJ. I guess they cut Dustin Ortiz after he lost to Benavidez, which that didn't need to fucking happen at but all. Benavidez is so tough. Like he well he fought, he was ranked. They're killing this division. They don't care. Um, but I'm looking at Marlon Marais. He, he had he came in and lost a split to Sunsau, which was very close. Then he took a split over John Dotson, and then in a minute and seven seconds, he kneed Aljamain Sterling's head off. And then in 33 seconds, he kicked Jimmy Rivera upside the fucking head and knocked him out. And then in about three minutes, he dropped and choked out Hapaila Sunsau. Like, he doesn't have to do much else, right? Like, this is what you do to earn a title shot. You beat the entire top five, convincingly. So, I'd like to see that. Um, I'm trying to think anything. We got any news that's come out of the past couple of weeks? I mean, I, what I want to talk about is I mentioned this earlier today, and we're not going to pick this fight officially because I don't want to get a hold of Mike again. But I was legitimately surprised that MVP is a minus two thirty favorite over Paul Daly. And Steph, am I sitting here? Am I just like living in the past, or because I really feel Michael uh, Michael Venom Page as flashy and good as he's been? hasn't beaten anybody of any consequence on any level for me to think he's going to knock out Paul Daly or beat him. I don't know. Am I, what do you think? Mm. I mean, he, he, he hasn't in my opinion. Um, I've been looking at Paul Daly's like recent record and everything. Um, I think they're undervaluing him. Like when I look at his losses, they're guys who could grapple him. Um, you know, Paul Daly's, he is what he is, right? We, I like him. We like him. Um, but he has a very strong deficiency in the wrestling department, you know. But just going back uh, right before this John Fitch loss, he knocked out Lorenz Larkin. And Lorenz Larkin is someone I thought was going to make some noise in Bellator because I liked him a lot in the UFC. He kind of had an up-and-down career, but his talent and acumen is really there. So um, pa Paul Daly can still swing. Um, I've never been sold on MVP. I always hear his name, but I... I really haven't seen a lot of his fights and the ones I did catch tended to be the ones where he gassed a little bit or he kind of was low volume, let's say. Yeah. Marcus, so, Marcus, do you yeah, remember? I, I don't, I don't know the line either. Marcus, do you remember when we were, we saw him fight live? Not his, it's a couple fights ago, not his last fight, the fight before when he fought Fernando Gonzalez and Fernando Gonzalez was like, I'm not going to come forward. This guy's not gonna be able to do any of his shit to me. And then the fight was terrible. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's all it took. Don't go forward. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm, I'm, <laughs> Paul Daly's just not that. Paul Daly's not the guy not to go forward standing up when he's Paul standing Daly. Up, he's like, this is the one time I might have to win this fight. I have to go forward and try to knock. I mean, out. I think I think Michael Venom Page is going to get cracked. I don't know if he's going to survive it, but I think Paul Daly's left hand is going to hit Michael Venom Page's chin. Just if I was going if I was going to bet money, I would take Paul Daly plus one seventy. Honestly, that seems so, like I mean, good I value. MVP is the favorite because he's undefeated. He's never lost. And uh, you look at Paul Daly and his last six fights, he's gone uh, three and three. And but I mean, I will say that the the level of competition he was facing was much higher than what we've seen um, MVP fight. But I mean, this fight's been the making in a long time. And whatever the line turns out to be is whatever it is. I think it's going to be, you know, a fairly close fight just because stylistically, these guys are going to be fighting fire with fire. And it'll be interesting to see who comes out ahead. Um, you know, a lot of times when 
uh, Paul Daly fights guys that are going to sit in the pocket with him and throw down, he gets the better of them. You know, he did beat uh, Lorenz Larkin, who's a really great stand-up fighter. And he catches a lot of guys off guard because he can just make things happen. I mean, he really falls apart when he just has a better grappler that's going to be able to ground him because Paul Daly just does not have the skill set to really do much off his back, whether it's get up. It's really just to survive. And when you fight guys like John Fitch and Rory McDonald, they're going to put you on your butt all day. They're not going to allow you to do what you're good at. Um, Paul Daly and MVP, they're going to be doing exactly what they want to each other. And I feel like, you know, potentially it could be, you know, fight of the year candidate here if things go well and these guys can crack each other and survive the damage they put on each other. We'll have to see. But, I mean, I think stylistically it's a really close matchup. And I feel like MVP is just getting that little bit of a, a nod because there's a zero where it comes to losses where – you look at Daly, man, his, his record isn't that bad, really, because you have 40 wins, 16 losses. That's a lot of yeah, losses. That's a lot, that's a lot of losses by decision and submission. A lot I mean, of losses. I was going to say, the next question to me is, this is going to be his 59th professional fight. That is a lot of fight mileage. Has he gotten knocked out? of mileage. By, has he gotten knocked out by anybody not named Nick Diaz? Honestly, I don't like. I don't think I've seen it, if he has. I'm, like, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's like, he has 60 fights. You have a lot of damage to your face, but... Head, I'll but. still never understand what happened in that Diaz fight where his body just gets whipped to the side. Like it's like there was a body punch, so maybe it was a like a five second delayed kidney punch. Is that a, is that a thing? But it looked like someone like lassoed him with like an invisible thing rope or something. Like he's got that is almost one of the weirdest highlights. Of the two fight. losses by knockout. One of them is Nick and Gene how, Silva, like Cage Rage fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Can't take too much away from there. I mean, okay. I mean, yeah, Paul Daly. I like Paul Daly fights. And um, if this is not on regular TV on Saturday, which from what I can tell, it's only on DAZN, I will. I might. I might get the free trial to figure this out. You know, this. This is. I want to see this fight. I don't know why the UFC is going on Sunday. I imagine Stefan. This fight's going to start roughly when I get annoyed with the dunk contest being trash. That's my guess. I'll see the highlights on the dunk contest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the un- unfortunate thing about us picking this card is could you all be suckered into picking Roy Nelson one more time? Because you were all suckers and you kept picking Roy Nelson one more time. Yeah, this is a good this whole card is worth I mean, look, Czech Kong on Minikov is a miserable experience for everybody involved. Um I don't know who the first fight is, but it sounds like a man versus a woman. Colby Fletcher versus Valerie L- Lareda. If that's what's happening, I'm more interested in it, if I'm being honest. But I don't, I'm imagining one of them. I'm, I'm just going to assume that's the case. Eric Silva, I don't think he's fought in Bellator yet. I could be wrong. That is a UFC fighter I would not necessarily pick to win in Bellator. I think Minikov was the champion, right, Marcus? And he's back now after like four, he, like he was I the champion and he got so. stripped and he didn't come back. I think so. I think that's right. And he's got to come for that belt against Ryan Bader, the true double champ. Um,. Yeah, that's Bellator's got a decent. I don't know. I don't get the whole card on a Friday, card on a Saturday in the same arena thing they're doing again. Like, I don't know why Matt Mitrione isn't just fighting Karitanov on this card, but I don't know. Maybe they can get a good deal from the arena. Um, let's talk about this uh, UFC card this Sunday. Um, coming to you from the Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix, Arizona. Stefan, is ASU close to Phoenix? Is Tempe close? Uh, Tempe, I think it's like 15, 20 minutes outside of it. It's like there we the go. satellite suburb of the city, I guess. Well, that is where the great 
the once and future king, Cain Velasquez, was, I, I want to say, an All-American, right? At, yep. Arizona State. He's a Sun Devil. That, that was a, they had him and Ryan Bader and Aaron Simpson was the head, was a coach there. They had a good wrestling program Thank there. Thank God Kane did not end up at Power MMA. Oh, yeah. Is that even a gym anymore? Um, anyway, um, this card is UFC, UFC's first actual card on real ESPN. And quite frankly, top to bottom, there's a lot of interesting fights. Just a lot of, like, middle-of-the-road fighters in good matchups against each other. Some of the ones we're not talking about is we got Henan Burrell on ESPN Plus against Luke Sanders, which, Jesus Christ, Henan Burrell, please win this fight. Um, Jessica Panay versus Jody Escabel, another decent fight right there. Um, Nick Lentz is going to try to snooze us to death against Scott Holtzman. Ashley Evans-Smith against Andrea KGB Lee. So we got some people here. Um, Touchy Feely against Miles Jury. Do you guys remember who Vincente Luque is? Because I feel we have this conversation every time he fights. But he's had a lot of UFC fights for us not to... Like, do you guys know who he is? <laughs> nope. Name doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, he's taken on Brian Barberina, and he's won... He's got a lot of wins. <laughs> Which, um, I don't know much about Luke Sanders, but, man, if you got some money stashed away, bet the house against Hedden Burrell. I know. Only thing I know about Luke Sanders is that he used to be Becky Lynch's boyfriend. So Bet the she, house. She, dro- she dropped him, became a superstar. Luke Sanders... Off the, Luke Sanders lost three or four. He better win this shit. Um, all right, guys. Cain Velasquez. A man I think is probably the most skilled heavyweight we've ever had in the UFC. I wouldn't say he's had the best. He's not the best heavyweight of all time because I think Stipe had a better title rank, quite frankly, and stayed upright longer. Um, after how many goddamn years off has this guy had? Cain Velasquez hasn't been seen since... Is it since he kicked Travis Brown in the head? Um, Correct. Travis Brown, he kicked Travis Brown with a wheel kick. Honestly, it seems longer. July 2016 is the last time we saw Cain Velasquez. Um, Francis Ngannou, we last saw... Who did he kill? Uh, He ran it back with... um, God, what's his name? The wrestler. Blades, yeah. Blades. Oh, yeah. He's, and, and looked good in that fight. He needed that after that uh, after the terrible fight against Derek Lewis. He came back against that. Stefan, you got the betting odds on this one? Uh, that I do. Um, it is Kane is the obvious favorite, but not as big as you might think. Uh, minus 185 to Francis Ngannou's plus 160. Man, I'm not sure how obvious it is. Like, he hasn't fought in three years. Well, like, it's obvious to me. So well, I'll, make my, I'll make the pick, and I'll tell you why it's obvious. Well, one second. I want to get Marcus. What is Mike's pick? Oh, I believe he took Kane. Kane. All right, Stefan. Um, yeah, I'm taking Kane. Um, that is to say, I think Francis Ngannou. I think you could fairly say against uh, Curtis Blades, even though he had this outcome in the first time they had um, that stinker he put on really left a mark. But he exercised some demons in that fight. We saw he can absolutely still be the monster man he was. But the reason it's obvious is because Stipe exposed his very, very real weakness to wrestling. Um, he'll have to show me that he overcame that before I believe that because I think Kane's a better wrestler than Stipe. Um, you know, Stipe put together a, a more solid, consistent run. He's been more durable, but I used to call Stipe the poor man is obviously an insult because the man was a reigning champion, but I always thought he was the lesser version of Kane Velasquez, more or less. 
Um, you know, and maybe it just wasn't that much lesser, but everything I think Cipe can do, I think Kane can do better. So I've seen this fight is what I'm saying. Um, and I have to believe Kane is going to dump him on the ground immediately. Um, I think Stipe is gonna. I think uh, I think Ngannou is gonna bleed. I think that's what's about happier. Kane fucks people up. Essentially, what Stefan, me, and Mike are picking is that Kane Velasquez is healthy, and he's still Kane Velasquez. And at age thirty six, that's the heavyweight prime. So he's still got a run in him. I'm gonna go Kane. Marcus, you gonna join us, or do you think our guy Kane is gonna get his shit rocked? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think really this fight comes down to just, um, you know, how long it's been since Cain Velasquez has been in there. You know, is he going to have some ring rust? Um, I think stylistically he's, he's fought guys like Francis Nagano. I mean, you look at the um, JDS fights, you know, there's a guy who is very skilled with his hands. It was deadly, had a lot of power. And we, you know, we did see Kane lose a fight against uh, JDS. So I don't think Francis Nagano is completely out of the running in this fight. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, but I do feel when it comes to the whole skill set of what you can utilize in the octagon, Kane has a lot more of those boxes checked off. And I think when you look at the wrestling, that's definitely going to be a big factor. Um, I think Stefan is absolutely correct that if Kane can kind of weather the storm of Francis in the first round, where he's obviously going to be the most dangerous, and kind of just really look at that Stipe fight and be like, what did Stipe do in this fight? How was he able to handle Francis kind of? manic attack in the first round and then let him drain himself and just completely take over and i think if if kane can utilize a, a similar game plan i think he'll be able to fin finish franchise i think stipe kind of was playing it a little safe against a dangerous opponent and you know just took the takedowns and, and took the rounds and, and took the fight that way i feel like kane if he gets in a similar position he's going to put a lot more heat on ugano and i could see a ground and pound finish or a sub finish here um, I am going to go with Kane, but I, I do think Francis Nagano can completely pull it out, um, especially if Kane is a little slow on the upstart. If he's not able to kind of get his feet underneath him and feel comfortable in the octagon, um, Nagano could catch him with something early. You know, we've seen it happen before. Um, but I think the smart money's on Kane, you know. and and But I think what you mentioned too, Bobby, we believe he's healthy, right? Like, I'm still... I'm not really can't get too excited until these guys are in that octagon because I could see Kane pulling something or hurting himself, you know, a week out from this fight. So um, I'll be excited when I see these two square up and we know Kane at least is healthy enough to, to make it to the octagon. But there's a lot of X factors around Kane, but you just got to go with one of the, the best heavyweights that, you know, has a step in the octagon. So I'm going with Kane, too. Oh, shit. All right. Clean sweep for Kane it really speaks to what we think of him and how good we I mean, it's 14-2, and two. and those two losses, he avenged Junior twice over, and fuck Verdum. Um, James Vick, Paul Felder. Uh, James Vick, um, still dealing with the fact that he talked a mountain of shit about Justin Gaethje and got his shit obliterated in about two minutes. Um, well, less than two minutes. 87 seconds. Um, Paul Felder... Uh, last fight lost a split to Mike Perry in what was a crazy close one. I remember thinking that may not have been the right decision, quite frankly, in that one. Um, betting odds for this one, Stefan? Um, it's this match is a push. They they are both minus one ten. Um, I believe Mike. Didn't... I believe Mike's taking Felder too, right? My Mark. I think I put it in there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna take James Vick. I don't like James Vick. Because I think he hangs out with Lloyd Irvin, and if you want to know why, that's a whole thing. Google that shit. But I don't think – I think this is the type of fight Paul Felder loses. 
I think James Vick has made a lot of advances. And I can't honestly tell you Paul Felder has gotten better at any point. I think Paul Felder is just like just a new version of Matt Brown. And I don't mean that disparagingly. It just means he's going to lose against guys who are at a higher level than him. And I think James Vick still, he, he really made a lot of advances. He was on a four fight win streak. His only, he's only 13, he's 13 and two. His only losses to Dariush and Gaethje. I still think James Vick can be a contender. So I think he's going to get the win here. Um, Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think this fight is a little bit closer. Um, I think when you look at their records, they're very similar. You know, they went on pretty good winning streaks here and had a couple losses here and there. Um, I think it's it's a tough fight to call. Um, and really, for it, what's interesting is you know James Vick is very lengthy and he likes to utilize that length. And Felder really does most of his damage inside the clinch with elbows. And if he can get inside of James, you know, there's a potential there where he'll be able to land those elbows. We've seen a lot of tall fighters not be able to adapt when they're in short range. And that's somewhere where Paul Felder is really dangerous. So it'll be interesting to see how Felder is able to manage that distance if he's able to get on the inside. And if he is, if he's able to utilize those elbows, I think if he can do those things, he has a really good chance of hurting Vic and potentially getting the win here. Um, I'm just going to go with Vic, though. I think he might be able to keep him on the outside with his jab and his long legs and just kind of keep him guessing and not allow him to get inside of him. But I think it's going to be a really close fight. I think it's kind of a toss. Oh, I think it's, it's going to be a really good one, too, quite frankly, given their two styles, too. Vic's got to fight smart, though. He fought really dumb against Gaethje. Really, really dumb. Stefan, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything. This was it. This fight's super close. I, I think they're very similar fighters. Um, I agree that he uh, that uh, Felder has good elbows and knees, but I kind of think he's a distance fighter himself. He likes the pot shot from the outside. He likes the leg kicks. He likes the long straights and jabs. You know, he he's a di- accumulation guy. Um, while I agree, you know, Gaethje kind of showed that uh, a such a big long guy like Vic has some problems on the inside. He also got overwhelmed by Gaethje's power. And Felder does not have Gaethje's power. He doesn't have the ability to just blitz overwhelm uh, Vic the way it happened like that. Not that I've seen anyways. So, um, yeah, I, I think Vic will get on track. I, I've never honestly been sold. I know you're saying Vic is just a higher caliber fighter. There's something just lacking to me. He, he's one of those impressive guys, but maybe I just believe he's got, you know, a pretty defined, defined ceiling. Um, I can never really get excited about Vic, but um, I think he is a, a smidge better than Felder. Man, I'm just looking. Justin Gaethje is booked to fight Edson Barboza next month. That is a woo. That just pen, just right fight of the year. That's what's happening there. Fight of the year. Yeah, it's like Edson Barboza. Don't stop booking him against wrestlers. Let's <laughs> just have fun with the guy. Yeah. Oh, co-main event is Carolina versus Michelle Waterson. That and hey, your girl Alexa Grasso is on that card. Stefan, this is gonna be your favorite card. It's a good card. Yeah, I like, I like fun fighters. They're booking a card in Philadelphia the same day as Eddie Alvarez's debut in 1FC. Well done. Um, all right, the next one we're going to pick, I believe, is Courtney Cast Iron Casey, named after my favorite type of pan, um, taking on Cynthia. She has got a nickname. I don't remember it. Calvillo. Um, does anybody know what it is? <laughs> Um, I don't see it on her wiki. I guess she doesn't have one. Cynthia, uh, you know, Calvillo bounced back from a loss to Carlos Barza to get a good submission victory over Pollyanna Botello. Um, Cast Iron Casey is just, that nickname is very appropriate. She's just a tough, tough grinder of a competitor. Um, took a split over Angela Hill. 
Um, Angela Hill thought she got fucked by the judges. I did not agree with her assessment. I thought it was pretty much a fight where anybody could have won. Um, Casey's eight and six. Stefan, what's the betting odds here? Uh, Calvillo is a pretty big favorite at minus 275 to Courtney Casey's plus 235. I know Mike took Calvillo. I'm going to take Calvillo too. I still think she's getting better and better. I think she's going to be one of the, she's going to be a contender soon at this weight class. Not saying she's going to be champion, but I think she'll be a contender. Um, seven and one. She's older than you think she is 31 years old, but she's clearly getting better in her fights still. Um, I do not like that. She missed weight last fight though. Um, that was not a good look, but um, hopefully she gets her stuff together. Especially a team alpha male, man. Everybody's in such good shape. You shouldn't miss weight. You know, go go run with Mendez. All they do is fucking run. Um, I got Calvio too. Steph? Uh, yeah, I got a feeling this is going to be a sweep, Calvio. Yeah. Marcus? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, mostly because we've seen Cynthia. She's a really good wrestler. She's even better in scrambles, which, you know, they kind of excel at at Team Alpha Male. And with uh, Courtney Casey, it's just like, yeah, she's really tough, but there's no one thing I think she really stands out and is like, yeah, that's where she needs to take the fight. She needs to keep it standing. She needs to be in the clinch. I don't really know if she's going to win this fight by basically stopping Cynthia from being able to grapple with her and maybe beating her in a stand-up fight, which I think is plausible. But it's just with Cynthia just having that kind of ace in the sleeve where she's clearly better than her competitor in one area, I feel more comfortable picking her. So I'm also going with uh, Calvillo. Um, we're not picking this fight, but Steph, do you have the betting odds for Cron Gracie versus Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres in front of you? Uh, I do, and I was just looking at that fight because I was like, this is pretty massive discrepancy for a guy debuting and not necessarily a big MMA track record. But Cron uh, Gracie is a minus 340 favorite over plus 280 Alex Caceres. I mean, you guys, I mean, if you people don't know who Cron's dad is, we're talking fucking the, the fucking, you know, the seed of Hickson here. All right. That's pretty much as like as good as it gets in terms of lineage for MMA fighter. Uh, Mike actually saw Kron fight at Ryzen. He saw him fight, I believe, was his second fight. He when he beat uh Asin Yamamoto by triangle choke. Um people are pretty excited about Kron because he's shown some level of striking. But fuck man, Bruce Leroy's got like what, twelve UFC fights? And he's beaten some people in there too. Like And you know, like even when he lost to Uriah, he fought Uriah really tough. Like, he has very credible skills. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to go out there and he, take, and he beats Kron, to be honest. I mean, I'm excited to see Kron fight. Again, son of Hickson, the greatest MMA fighter that ever was. Well, it's a shame uh, we're not officially picking this because Mike is, like, honor-bound to pick Caceres. <laughs> That's his guy that he's... Oh, yeah. Mike was going to... Mike would... This would be Mike would taking... Uh, Mike would have to pick the guy. He's, what, plus 300, you said? Plus 280. Pretty plus, close yeah, to... Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um... What we are picking, and I think this is a really good matchup, and it's really gonna it's gonna determine where we think Jimmy Rivera's head at, is at. Um, I mean, he bounced back and had a very ho hum performance against John Dodson. Jimmy Rivera is now taking on the Funk Master himself, uh, Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain Sterling came back from getting his shit destroyed by Marlon from Marlon Moraes, getting a win over Brett Johns, and he tore apart um, Cody Stammen's knee, winning. Uh, my submission of the year. I don't know what else, who else he won, but he definitely won mine because I think I gave it to him because he did it first. That same, uh, the, the Subalov stretch, that knee bar. Yeah, but the other guy looks like Abraham Lincoln. So that is, that is a, that's my tiebreaker. Um, this is, a, I believe, uh, Aljo's an underdog here, right, Steph? 
He, uh, yeah, he is, but it's a very close line. Aljo is a plus 130 underdog to Jimmy Rivera's minus 150 favorite. And Mike took Aljo, right? Uh, correct, correct. Okay. I think, I think this is a tough one. Jimmy Rivera went on a long streak of not losing, Steph. I mean, I know he's one of your guys, and you're not the biggest Aljo fan. Do you think Jimmy's going to get it done here? Um, I do. Uh, I'm not a big Aljo fan, but I will concede he's gotten a lot better his last few fights. He finally started showing things. Um, like I said, he was all hype and flash, but when he got in the cage, I didn't see a lot of substance. Um, but hey, he, he's learning. He's getting better, and he's been getting better with impressive performance. But yeah, uh, you know, we, we just talked about Marais at the start of this show, and why I'm so high on Marais. It's, it's the transitive property of how high I was on Jimmy Rivera. Um, had Rivera won that fight against Marais, I think he would have fought Dillashaw before Dillashaw fought Cejudo or uh, Mighty Mouse. I think that would have been a credible challenger for him to come off of Cody. But I think because the picture was a little unclear between Marais and the uh, Sun Sao, that's what allowed TJ to kind of go for this super fight, in my opinion. Um, I think had Rivera won, that fight would have happened before that would have uh, been there. So, again, I believe he's been right on the cusp of it. Uh, he got domed in the head by a guy who looks like he's next. I can't really hold that against him. Rivera is really, really good. Um, Marcus, what are you leaning, Rivera or Aljo here? Yeah, I, I do like Jimmy Rivera in this fight a little bit more. He just seems a little more sturdy, stocky, strong. Um, and Aljo is very guy. He, he always just like kind of seems very loosey goosey out there. And, you know, he definitely can pull some stuff on the ground, you know, if, especially if he's on top or he's got your back, you know, those are going to be dangerous places for Jimmy Rivera. But Jimmy just seems like one of those tough guys where he's not going to give you an inch and you're really going to fight to get him in those bad positions. And I just don't see Aljo, I mean, Aljo being able to assert himself to such a degree where he's manhandling Jimmy, where he's getting the better of him in the clinch, where he's scoring takedowns, getting on top and doing damage. I see a lot of Aljo struggling in the clinch with a stronger Jimmy Rivera, having a difficult time to take him down. And Jimmy just landing some maybe a little stronger shots here and there to edge out some, uh, to edge out some rounds to ultimately get a decision. Um. I'm going to go with Aljo here, and it's not just because I'm a big Aljo mark in general. I'm going to fall. I'm going to use a little bit of MMA math for you guys. Aljo lasted a minute and seven seconds against Marlon Marais. Jimmy lasted 33 seconds. Simple math. Aljo's going to get it done. No, in all seriousness, um, Jimmy, I understand why Jimmy's the favorite. Aljo's made some improvements, and I think what he was doing before, Steph, was that it was almost like he would just fight hoping that they would end up in an advantageous submission position. And now he's being more aggressive and trying to get a guy to that fucking position. And a thing Jimmy, he has over Jimmy is that Jimmy's got really short arms. He's got a, he's got some team alpha male T-Rex arms sometimes. Um, Aljo's looks like he can pick a piece of paper off, off the ground without bending over. Like he's got a crazy long reach. And it seems like ever since Ally Quinta came back and is fighting full time, it seems, I'm not sure if that's why, I don't know what's going on in their gym, but it seems like it's, he's one of Aljo's main training partners, and it seems it's allowed Al to, uh, Aljo to advance more, having uh, Ally Quinta around, and I think his stand-up has looked better and better, and I think if he can manage distance well, I think he can land some good strikes and maybe get a hold of uh, Jimmy's back, but it's a tough one for him. I think this is a, this would be, it's a big win for both of them, but if Aljo were to pull this off, it'd be a, it'd be career defining at this point to be honest but they're both still so young and i think we'll both see them both in the title picture aljo's 29 jimmy is 29 too shit 
So I think this is going to be a really good matchup. This is the one where I'm a little surprised it's not on the main portion of the... Uh, I mean, it's all on ESPN, the prelims too, but this is my co-main event, to be honest. If it, apparently, it's because we want to hype the seed of uh, Hickson. Yeah, I mean... I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, seriously, like, this is the second most relevant fight on the card, if you ask me. I mean, I think in terms of rankings, it probably is, too. They're both, like... Seems like a top five fight. Yeah, I think, like I mean, Jimmy... four and five, probably. Yeah, that sounds about right, because I know, like, Vic is ranked high, and he's... But I don't think, you know, the guy... What's his name is particularly ranked high? Let me look real quickly. Bantamweight. Bantamweight is number five, Jimmy Rivera, number seven, Aljamain Sterling. John Lineker's really number six, huh? Okay. okay. I don't know Don what division John Lineker is in. <laughs> John Lineker looks like he should be fighting at 105 pounds. He's about five foot one. Um, all right, that's all we're picking for this one. But there's some good fights on this thing, man. I'm I'm excited for this card. Um, Jimmy, I did not know his nickname is L Terror. This is not good. It's a shitty nickname. Um, I mean, I think of this like this is a quote unquote free ESPN card. There are like at least two fights on this undercard that I could have said that's the co-main on this pay-per-view that just happened. Every that, fight we're picking is better than the co-main event of the pay-per-view we just That watched. is true. Um, Every and, single one. <laughs> and a, a few of the ones we're not picking either. You could have put Feely and Miles Jury on there. If you put a couple of these fights on there, I might have been swayed like, eh, like, I might pay for the, you know, the seat of Hickson. Like, you don't know. <laughs> Maybe, like, we might have been, I could have been convinced. I don't know how they, I don't know how they decide these things, to be honest. Um, Ashley Evan Smith and, and Andrea Lee Marcus is one people to keep their eyes out on, the, on though. That's going to be a good matchup there, too. Yeah, I've been, I've been a fan of Ashley Evan Smith. I mean, she has come up empty handed a lot of times when I thought she like, oh, this is a fight where she potentially could win. But she always, you know, she gives a good effort, so. I think Andrea Lee had that horrible story about her husband being a horrible racist woman beater. Yeah, there's a. That was to say that's I like Andrea Lee, but she's got a lot of baggage around her. That's uh, not necessarily well. Some of it's her fault. Yeah, but um, I don't know the situation enough to really comment. I guess. And uh, Jody Escabel taking on Jessica Penne. Jody Escabel is Mrs. Keith Jardine, uh, six and four. She's got to get a win. And they have not done her any favors in the UFC, making her fight Carolina Kowalkiewicz and Jessica Aguilar. Um, but she's got to she's got to find a way to get this one, and, and Jessica Penne is no pushover. This is a another tough one. Can we? I just mention. Um, I'll talk about it more in the stuff we like segment. But since you brought dropped his name, I had a little bit of a gasp uh, to see Keith Jardine show up as a uh, gang goon in the uh, newest Punisher season because I'm very certain he was killed as a goon in one of the Daredevil seasons. Um, but he's such a faceless goon, he can just come back as a new guy. I definitely saw him get his ass whooped in a whorehouse in Preacher, and I think he got his ass kicked by... He might have gotten killed by Gerard Butler in Gamer. I think it was... It might have been on MMA Fighting. They had a good article of, when they talked to Keith Jardine about basically... He, like, he strong pivoted, like, okay, like, this fighting thing's kind of done. New chapter in my life, and he really threw himself into acting. And once I read that article, I was like, go Keith Jardine, man. Like we He also... But like it's hard to pivot after being a fighter for so long, and we've seen a couple MMA guys, you know, make the move to acting. But like, I was impressed by like he was like, yeah, like I'm not just I'm not you know he I mean look he just plays thugs because that's he's gonna be he's gonna be typecast like that. But you know, dude put in the work. You know, he went to acting workshops and classes, and you know he, he he's out there he's out there hustling. So you know, more he owns uh, he owns uh, he's one of the owners of Caveman Coffee also, which is kind of a hipster coffee brand. Um, 
He's all serious. Like I've seen interviews with him where like he's Isn't like that the shit Joe's always on. Or no, well, that, that brain power. I don't know. Oh, that's the that's the one that the, the, the whole that's the whole like bulletproof coffee thing where you mix your coffee with coconut uh, oil and butter, which just sounds like you're making greasy coffee. Of course, it's delicious. Like you know, it makes, of course, it's gonna taste better. Does uh, oil and butter separate in the coffee? I think you gotta use a blender. So you're trying to get like a what's it called? <laughs> um, coffee milkshake or something. Yeah, basically you are. It's what's it called when you're um smoothie? No, with like when butter is you get you're incorporating the fat. Motherfucker, um, know. You, you, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's for Joe. But you got you got you got to use a little blender to make your little bulletproof coffee with MCT oil, which is coconut oil and uh, grass-fed butter. Which again, greasy coffee. Okay, the- <laughs> it's, it's, it apparently I never heard grass-fed butter. I mean, I get the cows eat the grass, not the butter, right? Oh, grass-fed. Sorry, they call it grass-fed butter, but it's from grass-fed cows. Yeah, they didn't feed the butter, obviously. Um, yeah, Keith Jardine, man. Um, he didn't stick around too long either. I think I, don't, I honestly don't remember his last fight. I want to say Gegard beat him up in Strike Force. Yeah, it's not like anyone was like, "Yeah, we need to see this dude get his head knocked around for a couple more years." He's like, "You know what? This isn't going well. Let me pivot." Yeah. Great pivot. Well, so I mean, he, with, with all these Marvel Netflix cancellations, we're really losing the market on journeyman MMA turnout. Remember when Jay Heron was handcuffed to the hospital bed? And I think, uh, was it Tan Dan got in there in the hallway? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of MMA guys have been employed by these Marvel Netflix series. I, I like I, I like watching it, but all of a sudden you look up, you're like, oh shit, it's Jay Heron. Like, oh shit. <laughs> one, of the, one of the guy I read an article is one of the guys from the first seasons of Tough. He turned out like now he's doing like he's a stunt double now, and he's like, I'd love to fight again, but like doing all these stunts really takes a lot of time, jumping out of windows and shit. Man, Jardine really fell off. Jardine, he beat Chuck Liddell at Forrest Griffin, but like after that, he like, started getting knocked out a lot. Yeah, it's and very like he, good. He transitioned. Well, people figured out his weird shuffle; they could time it. Like <laughs> that was really what happened. They t- started started timing him. Um, let's do stuff we like and get out of here. Um, I'm gonna just real quickly say um, this isn't so much the process of buying tickets wasn't terribly fun. But I do like that Steph and I and my roommate Drew were able to get tickets for hashtag double or nothing. Um, AEW's debut event coming to you from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Memorial Day weekend. If you're one of those people who bought tickets and immediately put them on StubHub, dude, come on. Like, fuck you. For the love of God. Like, (laughs) this was a struggle. I just had to keep clicking try again until I got some cheapo seats. Um, we've talked about a bunch of the Young Bucks and all those guys. Their promotions got an event, got some, got a card on it. We got Hangman, Adam Page against uh, formerly Neville. Um, we got Old Man Jericho against Kenny Omega. Um, Kenny Omega signing with them, while not a surprise, a good get. And uh, they got the Young Bucks versus Pentagon and Phoenix. Looked up the other guy's name. So... Now, all, all the owners are going over, right, Steph? That's what's going to happen. The guys who are in charge are going to go over in all these matches. Yes, and I want them to become a heel faction where everyone, it, it, they know that they're just going to make themselves always win. Yeah, Kenny Omega is the really, that's my selling point. Um, I'm not really super versed or sold on most of the rest of the guys. I've only seen like two Young Bucks matches, and unfortunately, one of them was that last Wrestle Kingdom one where they really half-assed it on their yeah. way out the door. So uh, we'll see, but... It's it's fun. There's a lot of hype around it. You know, it's always fun to attend something that's history. So exactly, um, it's cool. Our seats suck, but it's more so like we just wanted to like be in the building. 
You know, it's one of those things. It'll be, get you know, merch, baby. What? Can I get some merch? Oh, I, of course. I'm gonna. Stefan's gonna wear his Marty Scroll shirt. I think they you got know, some, Marty. They got nice merch. If yeah. if Marty somehow shows up here, ROH or whatever the hell it is, but it seems like all the independent organizations are very liberal about loaning their guys out. So. Um, can we get some Koda Ibushi in the house? That guy's just wrestled. Koda just signed a two-year contract with New Japan, which blew everybody's fucking mind. Um, so yeah, Koda would be nice. Kenny couldn't even get his fucking boyfriend on this card. Like, come on, man. Like, he couldn't, like, get his, get his dude on this thing. Like, what kind of fucking talent scout are you? Um, Marty Scrolls contract is up sometime this year, Steph. So if it's early enough, maybe we get, we get the villain. Your new favorite. Um, yeah, man, I just like, I'm not one of these people who's just like, they're going to take down the WWF. They're not trying to do that either. Their goal is to just present a different product. And if they're just going to be an indie-rific promotion, you know, and they got people like the Bucks and they sign people like Jimmy Havoc, who's basically modern day, uh, Sandman, cause all of his matches are fucking nuts. You know, maybe we get Jimmy Havoc on there with a, you know, crazy hardcore match. We get a good women's match out of Brett Baker and um, Kylie Ray. We get some different stuff, and I'm I excited. I just want to see one guy, just one guy, make it out of Hood Slam. One guy gets called up to the AEW Big League. <laughs> and he's like, I started in this sweaty little like warehouse in Oakland. Um, we know the answer is Drugs Bunny, right? That's the guy. I mean, we've gone a couple times. He didn't wrestle that last time we went. But remember, there was that bald guy who had real regular trunks, and we're like, oh, this guy's serious. This, guy, <laughs> this guy's got no ridiculous gimmick. This guy's just a wrestler. Like, oh, man, this guy wants to make it. The best hope is the fucking MC who doesn't even wrestle. <laughs> uh, Joseph Brody. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got this week. Um, I was homesick for over a week. All I did is watch cooking videos on YouTube. I wanted to start Punisher Season 2, but it just didn't happen. So, I mean, at some point I'll give. I'll, I'll watch it at some point, and if Stefan doesn't tell me otherwise, <laughs> um, Steph, what you got this week? Um, I got three things uh, I was gonna mention. Um, so transitioning off of your wrestling note, I kind of mentioned it in the group chat. Uh, I did catch the last week of NXT, and to just say, uh, this guy Eric Bugenhagen is the greatest <laughs> fucking thing to happen to wrestling. It is, like, not even a demographic that, like, I'm, like, super... Like, I like Jack Black. I appreciate Jack Black. You know, Tenacious D was fun. But, like, if if you took Jack Black and Tenacious D, which made him this super Jack dude, he comes out and he does this scream of a whale that I don't even know what that sound is, but he is just so sold on his own gimmick that it's fucking fun. This guy could be the next No Way Jose for all I know, but as long as he's in NXT and the crowd fucking eats this guy up, Mark, look him up. He's got a yeah, big old say mustache Mark. and a giant perm, and he's wearing like rockers style tights. Like what's the name again? Something. Mar- I'll put the I'll put his entrance in the group chat, Marcus. This guy came out and just went full. Air, Jack Black is a good comparison. Like, like he, he was just he, his walkout. He's just doing air drums and air <laughs> bass. Uh, probably link it in the uh, Google thing. So I don't have I my... Okay, no problem. Um, yeah, but, uh, uh... the dude is fucking fun. If you listen to us and you happen to cross over to nxt this is the perfect nxt type guy um and for a guy just to show up with an unusual name hell it's stuck in my head um transitioning from there to a bobby said uh, i started the punisher season uh two is it um I, it's a mixed bag what can i say um the first episode i thought was fucking fantastic the first episode i thought was one of the best single episodes of any of these marvel series period um it it was almost self-contained, but like it was like a perfect Punisher arc. Um, but 
I'm about six episodes in, I'd say, and now it's starting to suffer from what all these Marvel show. The storyline is getting a little bit messy. I'm not sold on the main villain. Um, the the villain that's been thus far, he's a little unexplained. He's a little undefined for how many episodes I'm into it already. Um, it's a mixed bag. It, it's unfortunate and kind of just been a consistent scene with these shows. But I'm willing to stay on. I like John Bernthal a lot. Uh, in all his roles. And again, that first episode was so strong, in my opinion. It's a little slow. It's not the best episode for entirely action's sake. But if you're a fan of The Punisher and Frank Castle as a character, I thought the first episode was amazing. Um, and then from there, uh, crossing into Mark's Realm. Uh, I've been on this video game that's really exploded in the last week. I hadn't heard a single thing about it until uh, our friend Eddie and his uh, younger sister just asked me, hey, have I downloaded this yet? Because they wanted to play it. Uh, I'm talking about Apex Legends. That is the newest game in this whole Battle Royale craze. Um, but it's set within the Titanfall 2 universe. And my whole hype on Titanfall is... Um, the that studio uh respawn studios i believe they were the remnants of the guys who made the uh old modern warfare games and that's what it really feels like um it's kind of like a call of duty game but it's kind of mixed a little bit like overwatch because you have defined characters who have like special abilities and ultimates so you gotta kind of make your party off of these things you know you have a healer type you have a tank type you have a wraith who can kind of turn invisible and use portals. You have uh, the character I like to use. They're called the Bloodhound, and they say can see the tracks of like uh, to find like other people. They can tell if a building's been opened. You know, they can see how long someone was recently in a place. It's 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 just a different dynamic. Um, you know, uh, I know a lot. It's, it's easy to bag on Fortnite, say it's for kids, but for me, um, that game is a lot of uh, to borrow a term from a uh, girlfriend reviews. That is uh, light diarrhea, like. It's just visual diarrhea of lights and spectacle. I don't understand what the hell I'm looking at when I watch that game being played. Um, so if you've ever played a Titanfall or a Call of Duty game, you know, the kind of aesthetics of it looks like that. Um, and the game is fucking free to play. That's the great part of it. And it is really, really polished for a free to play game that garnered 15 million users in its first week. Um, yeah, it is a fun, fun game. Um, and I can't wait to play it again. Marcus, what you got this week? Uh, yeah, I don't have a ton. Um, just to piggyback off stuff, because I want to mention stuff. Um, there's a lot of good, but besides just like it being a fun battle royale, there's a lot of quality of life stuff they've done in uh, Apex Legends, which I haven't Apex Legends, but I, I haven't played yet. Um, I'm not super into the battle royale genre, but um, I thought it was really interesting how they talked about how they basically they, they did shadow drop that game where there was no announcement. They basically just came out on Tuesday last week and they were like, this is a new game we have and it's free and you can play it right now. They basically said after like we could not market this game as an EA game where we're basically free to play, but our revenue streams are going to come from loot boxes like having time for people to kind of dissect and be like, oh, fuck EA and stupid loot boxes for them just to throw it out and be like, look at you can't get mad, just try it. And if you hate it, then whatever you at least you tried it. Um, it didn't really have this time to spend online with like the lynch mob just kind of being like, well, fuck them. EA sucks, which I thought was really smart. Um, anyways, uh, not a ton uh, game wise coming out. There's uh, Far Cry New Dawn, which is kind of a spinoff of uh, Far Cry 5 is coming out this week. Uh, Metro Exodus is coming out on PS1. Uh, I'm sorry, PS4, Xbox One. And then, interestingly enough, not on Steam, but on the Epic Game Store, and there's a whole big story about that. Um, but that game actually looked really interesting. 
Um, most of the stuff that I kind of really dug into the last two weeks, um, a really I watched started a couple episodes of a really old anime that I've been kind of digging. Um, I'm watching Lupid the Third part two, I guess, which is like weird three seasons at 52 episodes each. Um, I just randomly came across some loop of the third footage on YouTube. And I was like, fuck, this show looks kind of fun. I wonder if it's on any of my streaming services. They have a good amount on Hulu. And once I started watching it, it just really reminded me kind of like a cross of like an old 70s anime style of Archer. Um, and a lot of the character tropes they have remind me of characters in Cowboy Bebop and um, Outlaw Star. So that's been kind of an interesting show to jump back to. But I've been um, I'm binging a lot of, and this won't be a surprise. We've all watched it and loved it, and I just fell off. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, since their last season's coming up, I was like, oh, let me jump back on. So I think I ended off in the last time I was watching in the third season, and now I'm midway through the fourth. And it's just a fantastic show. Um, and it's kind of just like, as I've been watching, I was like, oh, why did I wait so long to get back in? This is really fun. Um, but I'm excited to see where the story goes. And um, just really happy that they did find a little bit of a second life to kind of wrap it up the way they wanted to with the whole NBC thing. So, you know, it's kind of old news at this point. But uh, yeah, Man, the guy who plays Captain Holt deserves so many awards for that show. He's so good on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, watching so many episodes now, you know, there's um, I, you know, of course, he is a, you know, a pillar of what makes that show so funny but a lot of the characters get a lot of time to kind of develop their skills and i'm even been enjoying um they've had some guest stars uh bob who's the guy from the league the crazy greek guy oh shit he's so good on that show man yeah yeah he's really fun and um yeah this has been really i mean obviously if you haven't checked brooklyn 99 it's easily this this is something for this is a recommendation for everybody who watches that show and you also marcus watch as you watch the show what um, Andy Samberg's character calls what he refers to Santiago as, like what he calls her. Okay. Like he starts off just calling her Santiago. I think you're probably at the point where he's calling her Ames or Amy. Yeah. But like he, the name slowly as he becomes closer to her. It's a it's a small character trait that they like. Just well done, okay. quite frankly. I'll, I'll make sure to keep an ear out for that. But yeah, I've been enjoying that. You know, easy recommendation. We've all recommended it before, but uh, actually, it makes yogurt. Yeah, Terry does love yogurt, man. <laughs> um, I I love that show. I'm I'm fairly update. I up to date. I think I missed last week's episode. Um, but yeah, that show is just, you know, I like Parks and Rec. It's like Parks and Rec, man. <laughs> it's what it is. It's it's like Parks and Rec. Um, it's just well done. Um, I think we're that's it for this week, right? That's we need it. to end, we we need to end this show so Mark can watch Bugenhagen's entrance so Mark can enjoy it. Because, I'm watching it now with no sound and I'm like I'm definitely missing a good. Action. Oh, you got to turn the sound up. Um, yeah, okay, guys, you all should look up Eric Bugenhagen's entrance. Okay, missing um, from just the entrance, he does something during the match. Right, well, he gets the guy in the abdominal stretch hold and then he just starts air guitaring on him. Uh, I was like, I was like, this is amazing. This guy, I was like, that was the move where I was sold. Is when he air guitared the abdominal stretch. I'm like, this is a guy who incorporates his gimmick into his move set, and that's what I love about it. I hadn't seen my roommate in like three days, and I'm like dead in my bed, laying there. And Drew walks in, and he goes, "Hey, did you see Bugenhagen? That's the whole thing." I'm like, "Yes." And then immediately we had to watch Bugenhagen again right there. We're I'm all in on this dude. They should make him champion right now. I don't care what he's... After the show, also, he um the, the ring announcer they have for NXT, like, he does an encore of his entrance, and then he, like, teaches her how to air guitar. Like, yeah, that was that was adorable. The, the guy got over uh in, in, in one appearance. So um, having There's... seen a lot of, like, 
enhancement talents just come out and be wildly forgettable in NXT. Um, that guy knew how to show up. He, um, the one thing the announcer said, which I don't, I mean, he's an okay announcer at this point. He's getting better. Um, the other guy, not, not, not Nigel McGuinness. Um, what's his name? Percy Watson. Percy Watson says, it's not about rock and roll with this guy. It's about rock and swole. And I was like, that was an A-plus line. That was well I mean, that's fucking a good. good. Uh, that's a good shirt for him to have as a tagline. Because you mentioned, and uh, I kind of saw it after I looked the guy up. He he started, he's had a YouTube channel. And he's like a entertaining, like comedic, like power lifter. Like he's like, you know, he has vi like videos with, uh, you know, good amount of views on like how to bulk up, how to do this type of lift. I think there's a video I saw where he like deadlifted like a thousand and a hundred fifteen pounds or something. Like, it's it's all lifting videos, and then in the middle it'll have like a real like motivation talk. Yeah, like Boogenhagen will hype you up. He's like he's a real happy broy type. Uh, in another video I saw is uh you know who was really stoked about his entrance was Matt Riddle, and I'm like well, that's a future tag team or rivalry right there. That's oh god yeah that's wonderful. You guys should be watching NXT, man. NXT's gotten good again. Let's just be honest. It's all good now. Um, all right, guys. We'll be back next week. We're, go we're going to preview... Um, fuck, I had this up. Who the hell... What the hell were we previewing? We were previewing... Jan Blockowitz... We're really previewing this? Jan Blockowitz and Tiago Santos? Okay, this one's not so good. Okay? But after that, we get John Jones and Anthony Smith. And just wait for Mike to pick Anthony Smith. And call and claim plums. It's coming. Well, they haven't way. even uh, they haven't even decided to put any fight odds on the next week. So they're like, now we're just going to ignore this and go straight to the Jones betting. <sighs> That's a that one's a rough one, man. If you're John Dotson and they send you to go fight in Prague on a, in, on a, on the middle of like a, I think it's like a Sunday. That's not a good sign. Um. All right, guys, back next week. Thank you all for listening. Apologies for the missed show last week, but it would have been horrible. <laughs> we would not have been able to function. Um, we're back now. Uh, hopefully we got Mike back next week. We'll have a full house, but thank you all so much for listening. Um, 2019 going to be a big year for this podcast. I haven't figured out why, but it's going to be a big year for this podcast. It is. You know, it is. Hell yeah, it is. Um, Holy peace out guys around now. So <laughs> I was Dr. Law kid presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. See you guys next week. Peace out. Happy Valentine's Day. You guys.